and good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laron Landis. Patty sent me her R-A-L-L text and... For regular listeners, you know that means running a little late. Uh, Nicholas Quintanilla is our guest. Am I pronouncing your name correctly? Yes, sir. Uh, we're going to do our pre-show prep. Um, we're going to do our pre-show prep on the air yep. because Nicholas is running in Patty's camp <laughs> and running a little <laughs> bit late. Um, Nicholas uh, runs a um, nonprofit called Help for Youth Inc., and he's campaign manager for his father, who's running for Congress. Correct. See, I do my homework. Yeah, <laughs> well, you, well, you, you try to. Yep. So tell us, what is Help for Youth? Uh, what is that? Well, uh, Help for Youth uh, was a idea that uh, that I came up with uh, after starting uh, Young Latino Democrats, which is another. Uh, organization, uh, but help for youth is pretty much like a like a, a aid center uh, for young people. Um, uh, first, I started it out that are uh, for young people that are suffering uh, from anxiety mm. uh, or from depression um, or that are suffering uh, from mental health. Uh, but then, uh, you know, uh, I, I I talked with my father and and, and I talked with other. Uh, community leaders uh, to make it uh, where we could, you know, work with the criminal justice system uh, to intervene uh, to provide um, a, uh, a a way for for troubled youth to uh, go back into society. Is it like counseling and pretty uh, much? Okay. okay. Yeah, it's like uh, counseling. Uh, you know, we have a number where young people can call. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, they can speak with someone. Um, mm-hmm. We organize events, uh, Christmas parties, stuff like that. So mm-hmm. that's what it's all about. That's great. Good. Um, and here comes Patty. Here comes Patty. This is one of those shows where we're we're right. completely disorganized. Um, so um, if if somebody wants to contact you, how would they get through to help for youth? Well, they could go to uh, nicholasquintanilla.com uh, or they can go to helpforyouth.org. Uh, they could also and the number and contact information is there. Right, that's all there. Uh, you know, I'm I'm on social media, um, and I'm I'm pretty much all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome that you that you would even start something because you're pretty young yourself. I am. I'm 16 years old. You're 16. Wow. That is awesome. What prompted you to start such a group? Uh, I would say my father. Okay. Um, you know, he's, he's uh, to me, it's like he's an inspiration. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know uh, how other people perceive him or how other people see him, but I see him as a man, uh, as a good man, as a man who's uh turned his life around, and so uh, he's done some good stuff, and I want to follow into his uh, footsteps. Um, I have a, a eight-month-old son. His name is Julian Quintanilla, Julian Quintanilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that also uh, pretty much prompted me and, and gave me the motivation to keep on doing whatever I, I first started doing when he wasn't in the picture. Now he's in the picture. Mm-hmm. Now I have more motivation to All keep right. on doing it. Well, that's sure. awesome. I hope you're listening to this, Dad. Did a good job with your son. Well, okay, I, I, so what motivated you to be working with um, 
with youth who've gotten into the criminal justice system? Being in, in school, mm -hmm. um, I, I had a lot of friends, uh, and I would talk with a lot of other young people. Um, and and, and what, what motivated me to help young people is because there's nobody doing it. Um, they see no importance in young people. Um, they feel like they should ignore young people. Um, and so I, I, I just think they shouldn't. Uh, and so I've kind of, you know, met with elected officials and, and, and with candidates running for office to raise awareness um, so that they, about issues that are affecting young people. Um, you know, my friend, uh, my neighbor, Homer Bubba Escobar, uh, he was shot in broad daylight mm. in the back of my home. Mm. Um, and there's a, you know. Did they catch him? Uh, catch. They, they did. They catch the, the murderers who shot him. Uh -huh. And so stuff like that is what impacts, you know. It could be uh, traumatic. Uh, it could be sad. Uh, and so I just want to be uh, that beacon of hope for young people. Mm-hmm. And what better place to see it is a young, piece of, young person seeing it than another young person. Correct. That's right. awesome. You know, because young people, they tend to listen more to another young person than to, you know. Instead a, of us old fogies. Right. Yeah. Well, they certainly <laughs> won't listen to Patty. Oh, that's for sure. Well, you know, I'm pretty sure they would. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure they wouldn't. Okay, my advice is that they don't. <laughs> Except I will say this, vote. Yes. They need to yes. vote. Yes. Yeah, you know, voting is an important, it's a, a powerful tool that we have that we don't use. Imagine if we used it, if we just went out to the ballot box and voted. Yeah. Uh, okay, so I've, I'm registered to vote where I used to live, Patty. This is a Patty question, mm -hmm. since you're an election judge. Uh -huh. I just sent in my update to my voter registration to my new address. Early voting starts when? February 15th-ish? Yeah, about the second, second Monday in February, I believe. I don't know the date off the top of my head. Okay, okay second Monday, not the third? Might be the third. Might be the third. Let me look. I, th I think it's primary. The primary election is on March first, which is a Tuesday. Right. So two weeks before that. Um, do you know Nicholas? Excuse me. What was, what was? When does early voting start? Early voting begins February fourteenth, uh, and it goes uh, all the way to February twenty uh, fifth. Good. I'm so glad you knew the answer, and Patty didn't. I had to look. And then I had to look at the calendar. And then uh, <laughs> election day is March first, so. Okay, so here's my question to either of you, because I've never been in this position before where I didn't update my registration till the last minute. Um, do I have to wait to get my voter registration card in order to vote? No. I don't think, I don't think so. So where do I vote from, my old address or my new address, if they haven't you, done it yet? Um, you, I think, I think you, you would have to update it because, you know, there's the new redistricting. Uh, well, there is, except it's a matter of where you are in the poll book. If you're in the poll book in your old location with a, a different set of electeds and districts. It's mostly the same. Um, then you would probably be voting under under that one because the, the new one didn't take effect yet. Yeah. If the new one takes effect, you would be in whatever your new districts are. So it's, what, it's, it's driven by whatever's in the poll book when you go to vote. So how do I do that without telling them, look, I'm dumb, I 
waited till the last minute to update my registration. You can tell them that, but they're gonna they're gonna vote you based on what's in the poll book. Okay, but I thought early voting you can vote anywhere anyway. Well, you can. You, you, can, you can vote but anywhere, anywhere. But, but what can't ballot vote. do they give to him? Do they give him? They give him a ballot where he could vote for, say, oh, you're right, you're these right, people, you're right. gotcha, gotcha. or do a ballot for these people, and that's going to depend on where. T- tomorrow is the last day to to register to vote for this primary. Right. So if you're not registered and in the book after the the deadline, January 31st, um, you're not going to be able to vote. You're not going to be able to vote in the primary. And see, a lot of people. Uh, haven't been pushing the get registered to vote. And so a lot of people are not getting registered to well, vote. Well, an awful lot of people, Houston is saying that about 50% of their applications are being rejected. And it's also here in Dallas, in Dallas, Dallas County and Tarrant County. Same it's, thing, about half of them? Yeah. No, it's the applications for a mail-in ballot that are getting rejected, mm. not registrations. Oh, mm. in Houston they were saying registrations even were getting rejected. Mm. Um, I haven't heard that, but the 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 ballot for mail the the application for a mail in ballot. ballot is getting messed up because the new law requires that the voter who is applying for a mail in ballot, which in Texas is predominantly those sixty five and older, um, they take that that ballot application. And look at your registration. If you don't have one or the other of your driver's license number or your the last four digits of your social security number, they're rejecting it. Now, a lot of people who registered to vote decades ago and are continuous voters probably never submitted either one of those values on any sort of form to the elections department. So they're kind of stuck because they're good voters. They've never had a lapse where they've had to re-register. They're getting their mail-in ballots denied because they don't have either value. So I would suggest sending in a white card, white registration card, with one or both of those values so that it gets put on your record. Update your voter registration with with one or both of those values. And, um, And then send in your application behind it. Your application for and a ballot. It's too late to do that for this election. Yeah, it's probably because by too the late. time by the time you start the process, it'll be yeah, already it's February beyond Monday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But so. certainly for the November election, um, if you do it now, do it now. Send in that white card. Get it. Um, get it in there so those numbers get on your record. Then you'll have something to match to you know, when you apply for your ballot, your mail-in ballot. I think. I think what made it difficult. Uh, and why we're seeing an increase uh, of rejection numbers when it comes to vote by mail is because they need to uh, put their uh, social security number mm-hmm. and they need to uh, put their Texas identification number. And so most people, they just put social security number and if they don't put the social security number, they'll put their ID number. So when they send, send their application, they reject it because right because thirty years later oh what did I write on that form thirty years ago exactly. why would you right. remember right. if they've been good voters they've never been they've never been suspended where you know you lapse and you don't vote for now one I or don't two remember federal elections when I first registered in Texas in nineteen 19- um, <laughs> <laughs> 
which was right after I voted. I registered to vote. In, hmm. yeah, yeah. So uh, last century, when I registered to vote, I don't remember that they actually used to ask for Social Security number. I think they asked for... Um, I, I don't recall that. I think, Texas that's, I, I think that's, take, that's thanks to the Republicans now. Yeah. Yeah, that, and I think that's new. Yeah. That they, they, so you're safe or just put them both down. I would put them both down. Because all they're asking is the last four digits on the Social right. Security. Right, and then, and then there's a space for your Texas ID, primary, probably a, license, a driver's license. You can put it, that it, in there. It's two spaces. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they want you to put one, one or, or the, the other. other. Yeah, I think they can make the change before that date, right? Right. Yeah. And they, those have been around on the form for quite a while. Um, I think it was in the 2012 cycle where... Oh, I've been voting much longer than... I, I, I know, and many, many of us have, um, but I think that's when they, when they brought when in they the, whole, the whole voter ID yeah. thing. Can I just say how impressed I am that we have somebody on here who can't even vote yet? <laughs> <laughs> Not even of age to vote yet, but he's on top of it. That Absolutely. is awesome. Absolutely. That is awesome, Nicholas. That you, and, and, you know, I remember... Do y'all remember the first time you were uh, able to vote? Yes. yes. Now, who, when it fell for me, I was able to vote for a governor. Not well, I voted president. for Lincoln. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you did. Who was your first? I voted for Jimmy Carter. Okay. Okay. Well, I'll be able to vote. If, if in 2024? 2024, when, yeah. when Biden's running for re-election, if he runs for re-election. If he, re if he re runs, otherwise, right, right. you can vote for Trump. Uh, I wouldn't do that. But what about all the insurrectionists he's going to pardon? <laughs> right? Yeah, that was crazy. I'm like, really? I mean, that's, that's sort of a quid pro quo. Yeah. You know? Hey, so, vote for me. I'll do this for you. Mm -hmm. I'll you know, give you this. Most so, people. I'm sorry. No, no. I was going to say, David, who did you vote for first? Seriously. Um, was, it, was it? Oh, okay. Oh, wow. And he won in my city. <laughs> did he really? <laughs> One of the wow. only places he wow. won. <laughs> Albany, New York, and Massachusetts is where he won. And I was in Albany, New York. I voted, and he won. Wow. We were out campaigning for him, knocking on doors. We had no idea he wasn't going to win that election mm -hmm. because everybody was voting for, for <laughs> McGovern. Well, well I, will say, I will say, though, if you're a young person, if you're going to be 18 years of age on election day, whether that's March 1st, this coming primary, or November 8th in the fall, if you're going to be 18 on those days, you can be you can register at 17 years old and 10 months. So when you're 17 years old and 10 months, you can go ahead and fill out that registration card and get registered to vote, and you will be eligible to vote in when you're 18 on election day. Because unfortunately, Texas is not one of those states where you can register and vote the same day. Right. Some states you can. Very right. few, though. Yeah. And that's new. And if you're, it's a new idea. It's well, it's not very new in a lot of states. No, I'm just saying. I've had same day registration for twenty years in a lot of states. Oh, you're saying a lot. Mm -hmm. I, I think, I think it's a limited number of states. I, I don't. I don't I, less qualitative. Like I, I don't know. <laughs> but I know that you, you will be ready. I, yeah, I will. Yeah, and uh, I, I don't know, but I wonder. Do you still have to register for the selective service? 
When you yes. Okay. Did they still do that? Uh huh. Okay. Yeah. I think they just did that to men. I don't think you're going to call you up. No, I'm not Lauren. worried about it. I'm not worried about it. <laughs> you're not ready to carry that 200 pound pack. So. So I mean. That's. That, that that's interesting. Yeah, yeah. yeah there still is selective service yeah, selective. registration, when, when even though there hasn't been a draft since 1975, I believe it was. You know, my sister she enlisted in the United States Marines. Mm-hmm. Really? Yeah. Cool. So, you know, I mean, obviously, we have enough volunteers uh, to to do some real interesting jobs. We need to take a break in a minute. Um, one of um, Brian, my uh, husband. One of his nieces registered, uh, not registered, um, went into the Army for drone training. Really? Just imagine, you can't get this kind of training anywhere else. And it's just, I just think what she's doing is fascinating. Not not the bombing part, but... But new times, new technology. New technology. Yeah. And it's the only place to learn Mm -hmm. some of what she's been learning and it's a so. it's a valued skill um you know it, it's controversial because i think anytime you talk about war and the weapons of war it's it's a difficult conversation she's not necessarily um, planning on staying in though but she can take this training that she's gotten and take it to a whole number of high-tech companies um yeah, so, yeah. you know whatever they learn there they could get a nice job yeah yeah yeah, yeah. so Anyway, why don't we take our break? You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. This is one of our most scattered shows that we've done in a while. Um, But that's okay. Uh, I'm enjoying it. Uh, We'll be back with more Lambda Weekly right after this. Hi, I'm Cleve Jones, and you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. And this is Lambda Weekly. Our guest is Nicholas Quintanilla. Yes, sir. Quintanilla. 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 My Spanish is terrible. Now you pronounced it right. Um, (laughs) Your dad is Carlos Quintanilla, and he's running for Congress. Correct. Um, What are some of the policies he's or platforms he's running on? Well, uh, you know, he's been very active uh, in the community. for the past 18 years, uh, he's uh, led many campaigns, uh, and he's been pretty much the face of vociferous dissent. Um, and, and you know, he he ran in 2016. Uh, he beat the incumbent congressman uh, by 786 votes in Dallas County, uh, but he lost Tarrant County. Uh, he's running as a Democrat. Uh, if uh, you go to Quintanilla for Congress dot com. Uh, and you go to our webpage. Uh, it has uh, all the issues that he stands for, and 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 what he's running on. Uh, he's running on Medicare for all. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's running on, you know, pretty much. I would consider him the ideal candidate uh, for this position. Uh, and what district? Uh, what, what one is he running for? Thirty-three. Thirty-three. Mark VC is the incumbent. It, it's a strange district when you say he. Um, uh, one in Dallas County uh, didn't win Tarrant County. It's a long, skinny district that starts in North Oak Cliff 
winds its way along the river. You can't drive through the district because there's a portion of it that is only in the river to connect it to its Tarrant County portion. Right. Uh, and It's like a puzzle. Right. Yeah. It's one of right. the most gerrymandered districts. It is. And, and I think we have in, in North Carolina. The 33rd? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, the 33rd. It's, it's, it's crazy. Oh, it start, yeah, you're right. It starts from Fort Worth, comes to Arlington, and, and it's not a lot of... A lot of, you know, it's not a big portion of Arlington. It's just like the, the it's AT- a narrow little district just to get it to Dallas. Yeah, the AT and T Stadium, Six Flags, and then yeah, you know, connects to Dallas. Mm-hmm. Hey. And then the Dallas, it has uh, Cockrell Hill, uh, Arcadia Park. Uh, it goes uh, and part of I think Kessler Park and in, in North and, and it goes up through Irving too. You know, I I, I think uh, the parts of Kessler Park were removed from from the district. Oh, in the new. Districting the, that's taken out. Yeah, they added they added um, parts of Farmers Branch, and they added uh, a big Muslim population in Irving, uh, and they're not favorable of Mark Vesey because mm-hmm. uh, they consider him an enemy uh, to their community uh, because he voted uh, for the Muslim refu- for the Syrian refugee ban. Mm. Yeah, and he voted for the Israel boycott bill that if you called for a protest or a rally against Israel, you would be charged with a criminal offense. Mm. So basically saying, like, for example, uh, if Mr. David Taffy were to, or, or Mr. or Ms. Patty Fink were to protest against Israel, Mark Vesey, our congressman, he'd be filing criminal charges against both of you guys. So. <coughs> And since the Jewish community is so split on so many issues having to do with Israel, I'm not going to even get into that. (laughs) But it is. Um, So um, let's go back to one of my favorite issues. He's for Medicare for all. Correct. Okay, so Medicare, not that I'm eligible for it because I'm only in my extremely late 40s. Um, (laughs) Once I signed up for Medicare... It was amazing. Have you ever seen a government agency that everything that it said it was going to do, it did on the day that they said they were going to do it, and it came through? It's the most, one of the most well-run healthcare systems in the world. It, it, and it is the best-run government agency out there. All right. So when we talk about Medicare for all, you know, healthcare is important. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a, a human right, you know. We... You, you shouldn't die because you can't afford uh, Medicare. You know, it's, it should be automatic. Every American, every U.S. citizen, uh, every resident should be able to have quality health care. Sure, sure. It's, a, it's an important distinction, though, to, to remember that Medicare is not the same thing as single payer. Right. Not even close. No. Everyone who's on Medicare pays additional monies for additional supplemental policies, for drug coverage, for all those things. It's not... And luckily, I can afford it, and I understand some people can't. My annual deductible, what's yours, Patty? Uh, my annual deductible's pretty big. It's thousands. Yours is Same. Long. Do you know what yours is, Nicholas? Because um, you're on your parents' policy. I think I'm on my mom's. It's probably in the thousands. Mine is about... $218. It went up this year, and I'm not sure exactly what it is. Oh, wow. 
might have gone up to 219. You know, my, my sister, um, who's older than I am, I'm, I'm the baby, um, a number of years ago was in that bad window between 50 and, 70, and 65 where mm-hmm. you couldn't get insured at all. And then um, President Obama and Congress passed um, the Affordable Care Act, mm-hmm. and suddenly she was able to get insurance without paying tens of thousands of dollars a year for catastrophic coverage and only catastrophic coverage. So she was able to get on that. And then she said when she went on Medicare, it was like a dream. Mm -hmm. She never paid anything out of pocket. She had all this care um, and it was it was wonderful. Do you know what noticed her husband as well? One thing I noticed about the difference. I was on blue. I won't mention their name, Um, but it is an insurance company that has a color in it. Every name twice. Every claim that I made, I ended up having to call, and they lied, and you couldn't get information from them. You couldn't get my Medicare supplemental policy. I got through. They gave me the answer. It was the right answer because when I did what they told me to do, it worked. It got covered. It had to do with a vaccine that I was getting that's treated as medication instead of as a vaccine. And I forgot which one it is. It might be the pneumonia vaccine or something. It was one of those. Did you need a booster for your bubonic plague? So it goes on your Medicare Part D instead of your Medicare Part B. David, if I, if I may, yeah. I, I want to speak a little bit about the, the Medicare sure. uh, for all part. Sure. Uh, my father, he came up with an idea, right? Um, and he supports a national health care system, mm-hmm. right, uh, that uh, that would su- supplement uh, the current health care industry uh, to ensure that no U.S. citizen uh, is burdened uh, with the cost of health care. Uh, that would include uh, job loss, and, and pretty much it, it would be devastating. So... He came up with something uh, called Immigrante Care, uh, and it was to provide top-notch uh, quality uh, health care services to immigrant families. He got, we got a, a letter of intent uh, from Methodist Hospital uh, to use their branding and the logo and, and their name uh, to start uh, something like that. They agreed, uh, and, and they were in sync that it's needed. Uh, and that it's something important to do so that we could, you know, provide health care to immigrant families. Mm-hmm. And they would be under, it's like, you know, a Blue Cross Blue Shield, like Aetna, uh, you know, like Pfizer Permanente, Immigrante Care. And, and oh, you know okay. one reason that it helps everybody? If you have no insurance in Dallas, you go to Parkland. Who pays for Parkland Hospital? We do. We do. Dallas yeah. County yeah. taxpayers. Yeah. So it, it, it absolutely helps if everybody. So if is everybody care is covered, immigrants, whether they have legal status or not legal status, I don't care what their status is. If they're sick, you go to Parkland, and all the rest of us end up paying for it. If more people have insurance, that bill comes down. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you mentioned I mean, it's just it's yeah. sensible. Yeah. You mentioned the Affordable Care uh, Act, Patty. One of the benefits uh, of those is you can keep your kid on to 25, so you can stay on your mom's insurance until you're 25. 
I thought it was 26. Uh, is it 26? I thought it was 25. No, you're stuck with Gabrielle till she's 26. That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> and it's, it can be life-changing for families really because of that. Yeah. Um, oftentimes. And when I have my own, I'll have to add my son to, to mm-hmm. my think, right. There you go. There you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know. When yeah, you, but your son will be eligible. What about grandparents? You can. A parent can keep their child on insurance. In this case, you can keep. My understanding is you can cover your grandchild too if you are head of household taking care of them. They need to be independent. Right, exactly. Exactly. And by dependent, we mean tax from, from a tax perspective, an official dependent. And if your kid has a child before you're 26. <laughs> <laughs> you would be the youngest grandfather in the world. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you're right, Medicare for all. And you know how they could phase it in? Because the, one of the excuses for not uh, doing Medicare for all is, oh, it would be such a big burden. We'd have to hire so many people. It would be so expensive. Phase it in. Right now you have to be 65, so change it. Next year, you have to be 63, and then two years later, or a year and a half later, or whatever, see, so you have to be 60, and then 55, and you, you just phase it in. Yeah, that it's, was discussed during the presidential um, campaign in 2020, um, and one of the things that, that President Biden talked about, um, including, and he did include it in a bill early on in his administration, because I've been watching this, um, so because I would like to get on Medicare earlier, so that I could go ahead and retire, that would be something, huh? Mm-hmm. So I've been following that, and it's one of the things that got stripped out as they began negotiating, um, you know, to tamp these bills down, to accommodate, you know, to, well, to compromise, and to get something passed. So that was quickly removed. Hmm. So I know your, your dad isn't here. So if you just wonder if you could just tell us a little bit about him. Um, he, uh, from I'm looking on his website, he's from Illinois. Is that correct? Correct. He's from Chicago. From Chicago. So um, you know, so what what brought him here to Texas? And well, he he came to Dallas uh, because a friend of his uh, he, on the radio station uh, in Dallas. Making full circle. <laughs> called him up, said, oh, no, my dad called him up. He said, hey, uh, I have a, I'm going to be in Dallas. My flight uh, will make a quick stop in Dallas, and, and I'll be there. He said, great. Uh, I'll send uh, my assistant to go pick you up. Um, and so, you know, the assistant went to go pick up. My father just got out of this flight. You know, they, they, they met, uh, uh, and uh, they fell in love. And and then, you know, my father had my brother, Michael, uh, and then he decided to stay in Dallas. Uh, he's not with her anymore, uh, but, you know, he stayed in Dallas and he, he started his life in Dallas. But before uh, coming to Dallas, he was a concert promoter. Uh, he represented uh, one of probably the biggest Mexican artists by the name, Mexican uh, recording artist by the name of Juan Gabriel, uh, Juanga. Um, he was his manager for two years, uh, from 89 to 90. Hmm. Um, and he developed, uh, the bazaars 
uh, on Buckner. Uh, it's now. Oh yeah. It's now Mercado, Garib uh, Mercado Garibaldi. Okay. It used to be Mercado Azteca. So he developed that, and he pretty much was the the idea, the brainstorm, the genius behind that project. Mm -hmm. And it's now a successful project. There's a lot of cars. There's a lot of people, and it's become a a, a successful uh, small little business. Not only did he develop that one, but he also developed the one on Centerville and Broadway in Garland. Mm. Um, Definitely know where that one is too. <laughs> yeah, uh, I live in Garland. <laughs> yeah, so he's yeah. he's been very active. He's done a lot of stuff in Dallas. Yeah, um, in Chicago, uh, he was assistant to Mayor Jane Byrne. Uh, she defeated the establishment, and she became the first female mayor of the city of Chicago. Right, she was right after Mayor Daly, I believe, wasn't she? Yeah, she was I'm looking right. at the woman in the room who, because it's a woman, she would know. <laughs> I don't know the order of the order of the She mayor was after Mayor Daly. Yeah, she was after Mayor Daly. It was Jane Byrne, and then after <coughs> Jane Byrne, it was Harold Washington. Right. Okay. Yeah. And today it's Lori Lightfoot, yep. a lesbian. Yep. Yeah. Yep. It is Lori Lightfoot. Yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if he were to win this seat, this would be his first official. Um, office holding. Correct. And okay. if he wins this seat, he'll create history as the first Hispanic congressman in North Texas. So it's like we'll be creating history. Right, because of the gerrymandering, we thought we were going to add a seat in North Texas, and we thought that seat was going to be a Hispanic seat. Because the way the, the Voting Rights Act reads, and this has not been stripped out of the Voting Rights Act, it's how several states are suing. Um, if there's an opportunity to create a minority-majority seat, you have to do it, and we didn't. Oh, it's it's all over the place. We used to have 10 competitive, 10 out of, what, 35, 34, 35 seats? The last 10 years, it's been 35. Um, 10 competitive seats went down to one as a result of... of I think they cheated us. They cheated us out of that. Just a little bit. Yeah, we, yeah. they didn't yeah. give us I'm our seat. I'm pretty sure they did, yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, if you look at the 33rd Congressional District, the, when it first was created in 2012, there was about 12 candidates, you know. Mm -hmm. There was Domingo Garcia, there was Krista Castaneda, mm -hmm. and there was a bunch of candidates. David Alamillo. Right. Steve you, Salazar. And David Alamil is the one who got the nomination, isn't he? No. Uh, no, it was Vizi, it was Vizi and Domingo. And Domingo in the runoff, right. Yeah, and then David Alamil ran, ran for, for Senate in right. in fourteen. Yeah, yeah. And he won the nomination. Right. And do you remember Patty who um ran the debate at Stonewall? We did. We did. Yeah, you and me. Oh that's right. That's right. Between all those candidates, so it, the, I remember in, that. in 2012, Patty and I uh, moderated know, a debate. You know, I actually have that debate on my phone. Do you really? I, yeah, and, and I always watch it because I like watching, you know, my father's videos. I like to, mm -hmm. you know, see him speak. So I'll sit down in the sofa, turn on the TV, and search Quintanilla 2012, and then I'll, I'll see all the debates. And and I saw the Stonewall Democrats debate the forum. Uh, from 2012. Huh, it was at Sue Ellen's. Yeah, upstairs nice, at Sue Ellen's. Nice. Uh -huh. yeah. That seems like centuries ago. It, it really does. <laughs>
It really does seem like a long time ago. Um, anyway, I have some political statistics. They were in the morning news today. I find them fascinating. Um, and he's these put his glasses on to see them. I know, just to see my own notes, because once I have my glasses on, then it's a matter of my being able to read my handwriting. Create your own challenges, David. Um, <laughs> right. And this is these are um, statistics about Beto and Abbott and Paxton. For Abbott, twenty three percent of likely Democratic voters approve of the job that Abbott is doing. Oh my God. 23%. 23%. And that, was, that was released by who? Um, it was a Morning News University of Texas Tyler poll. The Dallas Morning News? Dallas Morning News did a poll along with the University of Texas and Tyler. And you said 23% of Democrats. Of likely Democratic voters. And we wonder why he, he stays in office. Okay. Yeah. This one is more baffling. 22% of those same voters approve of the job that Paxton is doing. And even some Democrats who don't approve of the job he's doing, 24% of likely Democratic voters say he has integrity. Paxton? This is Paxton. Is this, is this the same Paxton that... That was indicted? That's indicted and whose <laughs> yeah, trial same one. has same been one. on hold for eight years so far. Yes. Yes. And was you know, up the there for the insurrection and all of right, it. Right. Mm -hmm. Are we sure? I, th I think these people that they polled must have just been saying that they're oh, likely they to be. Yeah, yeah, just saying it. I just have a, a hard throw time a curve believing. Ball. Well, yeah. you know, I will say this. I'm a Democrat and I'm president of a Democratic organization. And I don't support what Abbott is doing or what Paxton is doing, so... And I don't think, even I don't if think you, most Democrats do. Yeah. I don't e even if you kind of support <coughs> policies to say that Paxton has integrity, we need to take a break. <laughs> We're going to breathe during the break. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laurent Landis and the late Patty Fink. Nicholas Quintanilla is our guest, and we'll have more with Nicholas right after this. Hey, I'm John Carlo. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here with Laurent and Patty, and our guest is Nicholas Quintanilla. He started a group called Help for Youth, Inc. He's the president of Young Latino Democrats. And, oops, need to turn your mics on. Uh, and he said, yes, he is. And started a group called Help for Youth, Inc. Um, okay, so I was just going over some statistics. Um, let me get my computer near a mic where I can actually read it. Um, At least it's not his handwriting. <laughs> well, it's easier to read. <laughs> and it's got to be in large font. Big. Very big. big. Very big. It, it's not in big font. <laughs> oh, yeah, you did say that I, last I, week's show. Where he has, it has to be a big font. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because he's, you know, he, he can't see. Yeah, when I was doing a TV show, in the prompter, everybody else would have small. And at that time, I was wearing distance glasses. These are reading glasses. But at the time I was doing, uh, I was wearing distance glasses. So I'd know it was mine because the font would change to double size. <laughs> Too funny. So, um, 
Okay, focusing on Texas, do you think things are headed in the right direction or wrong direction? Uh, of Democrats who answered, 40% th said things are going in the right direction. Independents say only 38%, and Republicans only 62%. So those numbers confuse me all around. Almost half of Democrats, 40%, think things are just great here in Texas. 38% of independents, okay, I get that, because they're all over the map on, mm -hmm. on issues. And only 62% of Republicans. The most surprising thing to me is the 62% of Republicans. It's a bigger surprise to me than the 40% of Democrats. I agree. Why? Um, because the Republicans are the ones who are pushing all this crap. I mean, the, we're getting crap. Yeah, the, you know, they're considered the, pretty much the extremists. And that was surprising to me. Yeah, it's 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 a level of extremism we've not seen before. I mean, they're talking about banning books. They've done this voter suppression. They've done this horrific, horrific um, um, anti-abortion bill. LaRon, could you let the next show in? <laughs> our, our doors are locked here at the studio. Yeah, that's why when you got here, I was like... Yeah. <laughs> but, they're, but they're doing this, this extremist stuff. I mean, they're really setting up... Um, I mean, this is a this is a drive toward authoritarianism. When you encourage your populace to call and or go to court and snitch on people in your neighborhood, your neighbors, your family, your friends, your coworkers, um, the people you allegedly worship with, all of those things. It's like the guy in Virginia, Youngkin, who just was sworn in as governor, set up a tip line so if any parents can, or anybody can call this number and basically report a teacher who may be speaking about some subject they shouldn't be speaking about, the parent thinks they shouldn't be speaking about. It's a tip line to, to basically snitch on anyone in your life. So, I mean, this is, this is Nazi Germany stuff, and I'm not even hyperbole here. No, no, this not is at all. completely... This isn't like the argument that staying home during the pandemic is just like when the, they had the Jews stay home and watch Netflix. Right. This right. is not that. <laughs> you know, and banning books. I mean, let's look at it this way. There has never been in the history of humankind anyone who bans books or on, land on the right side of history. They just don't. Book banners don't land on the right side of Do history. Do you know where I'm proud of the book ban? Because Leslie and Newman, who's been on our show a number of times, she has more books on the banned book list than anybody else. And she so congratulations, be Leslie. Damn proud. <laughs> I, I I saw a post on Facebook, of of it was Lee Darty, and he said, mm -hmm. you know, I'm gonna get a truck and I'm gonna fill it up with books, and I'm gonna park it outside a public school, you know, just to it, give away. Yeah, banned books. So mm -hmm. just to right. give them away. All right. The banned books. And, and they'll figure out a way to, to make that illegal. Today. Well, okay, so you're of closer course. in age to this. Um, if a book is banned, doesn't that make you want to read it more? It does. Uh, it, why, would, why, why would they ban a book? What's in this book? It yeah. must be what, some good what, stuff. What's so bad in it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, I've read uh, recently where there are bookstores in, I don't know if there are any in North Texas, but uh, spots around the country where they're actually giving them away to... Um, to progressive church groups and those that want to read the book and, and, and with others. 
like have a group book club. They they read these books that are specifically on these band lists. Yeah. Um, so that you know they know what they're missing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, it, okay. I'm not I'm not in agreement of banning those books. I think, well, of course not. I think everybody should at least read about what it's about you know yeah it's interesting it should be available for people who want to read them nobody's forcing anybody to read exactly. any of these books exactly just Ex- like in any school except library. for me yeah and any friend who's had a baby they always get a copy of um heather has two mommies <laughs> yes i think that was one of the gifts he gave me yes absolutely yes, it, it, was. it was it was so i wanted to ask uh, before the end of the show nicholas you're young you're you're involved already, which is great. Um, I can tell you how great that is because we need more people to step it up. Um, and I know a lot of people think they don't have a voice and no one will listen to them. And you're proving that wrong. Um, but we also want to know what do young people think, the ones who are involved. So you're president of a young um, um, political group. What are, they, what are the young people saying? What, are they, what, what concerns them? They're saying that elected officials are not putting much importance into them uh, and that's why they're getting involved those who are getting involved they're saying you know I've seen I've been ignored you know I have a voice uh, and I feel that my voice matters uh, and so the few of them that are getting involved they're speaking up the ones that are not you know I, I have a message for them get involved it's important mm-hmm. um, and it's not easy uh, getting young people involved. No, and, of course not. You know, but somebody has to do it. Yeah, yeah. the students at um, Parkland High School in Florida, right? after their shooting. They spoke up. They mobilized. And they're still at it. Yeah. They hit the wrong group. If you were picking a, a school to attack, that wasn't the right one because they're a bunch of loudmouthed young people. Right. And I say that with love. For and they're still kids. just as pissed today as oh, they were. As they should the, be. The day, the day it occurred. And I agree. It's, yeah. it's Along this, with some of the parents of those kids. Yes, who lost, you know, some of them lost their only child. Mm-hmm. And that's heartbreaking. Um, it's heartbreaking for all of them to have to go through that. Yeah. So is gun violence one of the issues that young people are concerned about? Well, they're scared, you know, and we've, we have we have roundtable discussions, uh, not a lot of times, but some of the times. And, 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 you know, one of the questions was, what are we going to do if they come into our school and mm-hmm. with a AR-15? Right. You know, you know it, could, it could happen to us, too. When old people like Patty were in school... Not only was that not on our minds, just the idea of it was ridiculous. And we didn't have security at the doors. We, you know, you you could just walk into any school. I don't know how someone could be fine uh, or someone could be okay uh, with the fact that it's going on, and with the fact that any day anybody Mm -hmm. could walk into a school with a a gun, and they and some would think that it's. It's totally fine. And let me tell you, as someone who has a young child in school, it's the strangest conversation that you have to have, and we've had to have it. Because um, our school lets us know when they're going to do a drill. But to have to talk to your kid about if somebody comes in with a school, what you need to do with a gun. It's the strangest thing we do. We didn't even get in those conversations when we were in school. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. So well, well, are you a sophomore or junior in high school? Uh, I'm a sophomore, yes, Sophomore. Sir. Okay. So have you, have you all had to take any classes or be drilled about any of that? Uh, not really. Um, and, 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 you know, 
Uh, I'm not uh, in public school. I'm not in DISD. Okay. Uh, and, and the reason why I'm not in DISD is because, uh, you know, I, I didn't think I, I could make it in the public school environment. There's a lot of gang fights among students. Uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, selling drugs and, 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 and THC. Uh, and there's also a lot of intimidation and bullying. So I, I, I you know, decided to go virtual, uh, and it's been uh, pretty... Uh, good and flexible and so you know okay, whatever works right and yeah. and but when i was in school in, in public school as a freshman um they did drills uh not uh drills to prepare you for someone with a gun but they did tornado drills and, and all, right right you know okay so here are the drills we had we'd have cold war drills and did you have those patty um, no, but I was in that window where they just sort of stopped doing it. Sort of that. stopped doing it. Okay, so we had to know, go out desk. into the hallway in case of a nuclear attack. We had to go into the hallway and put our heads with our hand over our head like that because that would protect you from I think a nuclear my dad, attack. I think my dad remembers those times. <laughs> <laughs> you do it under the desk. You'd or under, under the, the desk. Because that desk, you know, will protect you. Those desks were bomb-proof. <laughs> but you know what's what really traps me now is is th- these parents are willing to stand for hours at a school board meeting and complain about having to teach people about black people in this country, and they want to revise history and they want to ban books they think their kids shouldn't read, or no, they really think other kids shouldn't read. Yeah. Um, those people's kids shouldn't read those. Parents can control what but, their kids read. But they don't do a damn thing about the shootings in schools. Oh, not, oh, a, not even close to oh, one thing. They don't Zero They things. have pr- no problems with your kid having to be drilled about a shooter coming to your school. Right. But they throw a fit about having to wear a mask. Yeah. Seriously? Tyranny. Yeah. Quote, yeah. yeah like tyranny. In, in Plano ISD, uh, you know, there's an uh, increase of... Students among COVID, there's no mask mandate, but no. yet ba- books mm-hmm. get banned, right? Or and we can attribute that. Thank we can thank Abbott for that because Plano. I don't know if Plano ISD wanted to, but that power has been taken away from school districts. They can't because em- of the enforce, new legislature. They can't enforce a mask mandate even if they wanted to. But DISD is. He's one of the one the few that are getting away with it. Because it's a big one. They're not coming for him. And yeah. kudos to him. He said, you know what? Basically, he basically said, you know what? F you, Greg Abbott. I'm doing a mask mandate in my <laughs> he schools. Did. He did. He did. I, yeah, I, 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 that is one. I don't know why he hasn't challenged him. Because, you know, when somebody's a bully, and Abbott is just a bully, and Paxton, they're bullies. You know, how, how has Paxton gotten away with no trial for eight years that he's been in office? Because he's bullied his way through that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When you're a bully, if somebody stands up to you, you're the first one to back down. It's kind of like Trump. Trump's a bully. Uh, you know, oh, we're going to have Mexico go pay for the wall. When he went down to visit the Mexican president when he first got into office, what was the one thing he never even mentioned in their talks was Mexico paying for the wall. He would have just been laughed out of the country. But that's, well, and he was allowed out of the country for other reasons, but, you know. But for that one thing, he, he really would have. But that's typical bully behavior. Yeah. Yeah. So when somebody says, no, we're having a problem here, I don't care if some rural school district feels that they don't need masks. They can sit 
further apart. They can, you know, we have smaller classes. When DISD said, no, we're going to have a mask mandate because we have that many kids in our schools and we have teachers who are out sick and covering more than one class, yeah. What's he going to say? Yeah, and, and and that should be like a wake-up call for voters. You know, you have Greg Abbott that doesn't yeah, want to— thinking people put things together in a sensible way. Yeah, and then you got <laughs> Beto O'Rourke on the other hand that would do probably a much better job. Well, oh, I think anybody could do a better job than <laughs> Abbott, quite frankly. Yeah. Anybody but, think, but Abbott. But um, but I think Beto would bring a lot to well, the job. Well, you're saying— An absolute lot. You're saying anybody but Abbott. Um, in the latest poll among Republican voters, this is that same Dallas Morning News poll, uh, Greg Abbott is, uh, has 59% of the vote, 20% are not sure, then 6% for Alan West, 4% for Don Huffines, and 4% for Rick Perry. Not that Rick Perry. The other Rick oh, Perry. Oh, there's another Rick Perry? There's somebody yeah. running on the Republican side whose name is Rick Perry. <laughs> he may want to put his initial in there. No, he doesn't want to put his he initial or the he name that he's usually initial? called. He oh. wants people to think that he's that Rick Perry. Oh. So they could vote for him. Yeah. So they can vote for him. He has 4% of the vote and for no reason is in third place. <laughs> um, I guess they didn't help. I thought it, one of the Bushes was running. He's running he for Paxton. Uh, against Paxton. Gotcha. Okay. For and General. in that race, Paxton has 33% of the vote. Uh, George P. Bush has 19% of the vote. Eva Guzman, who spends her time in her ads, making sure that you understand she's a legal alien, unlike yeah. the rest yeah. of you. Yeah. yeah you what was that most bothersome ad I've seen? Isn't that annoying? And just like, are you serious, lady? I saw her ad on, on Fox 4. She said, I think she said, I'm a daughter of immigrants. Uh, no, something of like legal that. Immigrants. No, legal, oh, legal, legal immigrants. immigrants. Right. She, yeah, she makes sure she says that. What was her name? Eva, her, Eva, Eva Guzman. Guzman. Eva Hernandez? <laughs> Eva Guzman. <laughs> I think that's it. Yeah. Do you know what annoys me about that whole legal, illegal thing? Okay, my grandparents and great-grandparents were here in the last half, last third of the of the 1800s. Do you know what documentation my grandfather specifically told me he came with? None. He had a ship ticket. Mm -hmm. And when I say none, I mean he registered and got his citizenship uh, with his birthday on the wrong year because his mother didn't find his birth certificate back in Lviv, which is in the Ukraine now, uh, until years later, she sent it to him, and he found out he was actually two years older than he thought he was. Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> it, it is, except he lived to 97. Okay. But I'm the only person in my family that he told that to. And when I told everybody at his funeral that, no, he's actually 97, not 95, where do you hear that story? And I told them the story of why he told me. Um, but he, he wanted somebody in the family to know that if we were going through his things and we found his birth certificate, he was actually two years older. Mm. I get a lot of my personality from him. <laughs> um, but in, in that race that you asked about... Ken Paxton, 33% of the uh, vote. 
George P. Bush, 19% of the vote. Eva Guzman, 7% of the vote. So she's in fourth place because Louis Gohmert, who's normally referred to as the stupidest person in Congress, um, has 8% of the vote. And not sure, 33% of the vote. And with that choice, I think I'd be in the undecided, too. <laughs> what a terrible... I hope I, is Louis running only for AG or is he yes. running for his congressional seat no. as well? So that I means he's going to be out of. He's going to be nowhere. He's going to. He's not going to win that AG race. You think? Um, I'm pretty sure. In fact, I'll, I'll take bets on the side if anybody wants to. You want to bet he doesn't concede and considers himself what, attorney the, general? It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> wouldn't surprise me. We got one minute. Uh, we do, but we don't have a show here. Oh, we do have a show yeah. here. Oh, <laughs> I was. I, I remember I, I meant to let him in. I saw who you let in. Oh, come on in. Get set up. We need to go then. Uh, this has been Lambda Weekly. Nicholas, uh, we are completely so out of time. Much. Come back sometime. Thank you. It's an honor, and you know I would love to come back if the listeners of KNON 89.3 invite me back. Uh, you know We need to support small radio uh, you know, internet programs like KNON because uh, it's the voice of the people, and without the voice of the people, without people kind of getting informed, we wouldn't go nowhere. So thank you, uh, KNON. Thank you, Patty. Uh, thank you, Mr. Taffy. It's an honor to be here, and I would love to come back. And yeah, for all of do. us here at Lambda Weekly, we want to thank you. Thank you, uh, Lambda Weekly. Have a, have a good week. Our guest next week is Candy Markham. We'll be back with more Lambda Weekly next week, and we'll see you then. This is Nicholas. I give.